everyone, welcome to the Brigade of Imbeciles podcast, a show dedicated to discussing HBO's Our Flag Means Death, created by David Jenkins. My name is Vess and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Leanne. And on our first episode today, we'll be discussing our first impressions of the show, some changing of mindsets as the perspective changes, and what episode one really sets up, and how we see Steed in the eyes of his crew and Captain Nigel Badminton. And here's a sneak peek from today's episode. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Fuck the cuts. It pushes him over the edge. He's being bullied once again, like decades later, by the same guy. And Steed finally just stands up for himself and pays the price. Yeah, I think a lot of it is alluding to the fact that, you know, Steed can run as far away as he possibly can from his past and his problems, but they will catch up with him in one way or another. And we see that with the introduction of Nigel. So let's set the stage, okay? It's 1717. We're on a ship, we're in the middle of nowhere, and it's the golden age of piracy. We're introduced to a captain, Steed Bonnet, and his crew of misfit pirates. It's a very interesting um, non-piracy experience because basically the revenge feels like a rec center where they have a jam room, a ballroom, a tennis room, and even a library, which are not typical things that you would find on a pirate ship. Steed's different. He's a different kind of captain and they're introduced to a different way of, of piracy. Yeah, slow piracy. Slow piracy, yeah. I feel like the main part of, of episode one is really just kind of like figuring out who the crew members are and the fact that they are really not cut out to be pirates at all. And not just Steed. It's like yeah, all, it's all, like of, all them. of them. Maybe with the exception of Jim, maybe. It's quite fitting that one of the first tasks that we see Steed asking his crew to do is to actually make a flag. It's just essentially arts and craft. I don't think any pirate would sign up to be a pirate thinking, oh, I'm going to be sewing a flag today. But here they are, sewing like buttons onto a flag, sewing cats onto flags. Yeah, and you see Black Pete, he's the voice of reason or like, or like pirate logic where he's like, when I was on Blackbeard's ship, nobody fucking sewed. They're all enjoying sewing. He's pretty much the only one who's complaining. And like later in the episode, he's like proud of his flag. Yeah, I mean, even when they try to be pirates, when they try to plunder a ship, like it doesn't really go well. I mean, it was just a little dinghy with like two men who- Two honestly, fishermen. Two fishermen who could not even be boarded that they were being boarded yeah, they, by they, a man they, in they, Tiffany blue. They helped to stabilize the ladder when Steed yeah. goes down. It's strange because he plundered like a, a dying plant. And that was the model of his conquest, which I think is quite fitting. Yeah, and I think it's adorable that he is the one to go down to rob them because he's like he's like so proud of it as well. He puts it in the middle of his captain's quarters on a doily. He's reviewing his first raid and giving notes and everything and his crew is just like, what the fuck? I think it's quite interesting to see Steed like not as a pirate captain, but rather almost like a father to his crew. I mean, he's reading them bedtime stories about Pinocchio. I mean, you can't get any more fatherly than that. When he's talking to Lucius, who's, who's his scribe, he mentions that his vision for being a good pirate captain is helping his crew grow as people. I mean, what kind of pirate captain does that? Like, usually it's about money, it's about spoils of war, but for him, it's about helping people become the best that they can be. He's quite progressive, I yeah, must yeah, say, yeah. for Very, a captain. Yeah, definitely unioned crew. Yeah, but I think like a lot of things have, have led up to where he is today and, and we do kind of explore that in episode one as well, where we see, you know, what he's troubled by and how that motivates him today. You know, he has all this guilt for uh, from leaving his family behind and he had such an inadequate childhood where he was bullied. And I feel like that informs a lot of his current actions and how he chooses to treat 
other people. He chooses to take care of his crew in, in such a fatherly manner and he chooses to use words instead of actions, you know. And even though the crew kind of treats him like an idiot, like we, we're, we're watching this first episode through the eyes of the crew, basically, through the perspective of the crew. And when... Yeah, I mean, they, they, they do find him find that he's an idiot, but when Nigel Badminton comes and, like, brags about how he was bullying Steed when they were young, about the boat thing and the horse thing, like, you can see how uncomfortable the crew is when they're learning about how much Steed was bullied as a child. Yeah, it's almost like some unspoken loyalty to your captain, even though your captain's like a mess of a heavy set woman. Throughout episode one, um, we can see him struggle with who his family is and the guilt of leaving his family. Yeah, and also struggling with the guilt of being an inadequate pirate captain. Inadequate in general. Like, yeah. he wasn't even a good husband. He wasn't good landed gentry because he just wanted to be on the ocean. He was always dreaming about living another life. I think he's trying to make up for it now. I mean, with his, with his new family, with his new crew. Yeah, and he does... I mean, when you look at the flashbacks versus how he carries himself now, there's a huge difference. Like, he's way more confident. Even though he's not confident with violence, he's more comfortable on the revenge. The way that he treats his crew, the, the management style, he's very confident. And he's talking about how they're all sweethearts inside, but they're just dealing with a fair bit of trauma. He focuses a, a lot on mental health, talking it through as a crew. And when they're doing the flag making, he's very supportive, donating all of his fancy garments and fancy fabrics to let them sew a flag. And he's like, oh yeah, we'll vote on the best one. And then at the end, you see that he flew all of them. Yeah, he's proud of his little <laughs> children's so arts and crafts. It's so sweet. And yeah, the, the emphasis on fatherhood and family yeah. is very it's very obvious in this, uh, in this episode and th throughout. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of it is, is really him just trying to make up for the guilt of leaving his actual family behind. It really drives who he wants to be as a captain. And while the crew might not agree with it, I think it's growing on them. And they still do feel a loyalty to Steed as their captain. To kind of top of how inadequate Steed is feeling right now, he decides that he should invade a ship that is clearly much bigger than the little dinghy that he's just invaded. I mean, what a great captain. He can't even recognize that it is a British Navy vessel. That happened in real life as well. Apparently, like, Steve in real life got heavily damaged and injured because he didn't realize that he was about to attack a Spanish naval ship. Yeah, and he's worried. This man is starting to get nervous. He has a nervous breakdown. And thankfully, I mean, he's probably quite grateful he sees a friend. A friend. A friend. Or an ex-bully, Captain Nigel Badminton. And Nigel insists to come on board his ship. I think it's quite funny that Steed like can't say no to Nigel, which kind of still shows that you know he he's holding on to his gentry roots, his yeah. landed gentry roots. Yeah, and in a way, he's still kind of like submissive towards Nigel. Like you know, yeah, he he just like says at, at the behest of his crew, he's just like yeah, come aboard. Let me give you a tour. Let me show you my ship. Yeah, and his let's, crew let's is just have like, tea. His crew is just like no, please no. And they have to put on a whole charade. Yeah, and and I mean that's kind of like how the crew works, right? They're so theatric, you know. They have to get up in fancy dress. They have to creatively pretend to be people that they are not. I think when Steed meets Nigel again this time around, he's really trying to show Nigel that he's done something with his life. But that's just kind of all false, right? The whole crew is they don't, they're not. Um, rich little... Fancy boys. They're not rich little fancy boys like Steed, but, you know, they're pirates. And I feel like he's trying to hide this fact in order to impress, in, in a way impress, um, Nigel. I don't know about that because I feel like it's more about saving their asses because they will definitely be killed. 
when Steed very proudly introduces Nigel to his library and his captain's quarters, he immediately make, starts making fun of Steed and he starts hammering down on how ridiculous he is. When Steed admits that he is a pirate, Nigel just laughs like so hard. Nigel is played by Rory Kinnear, who's a usually a dramatic actor. He's in um, the pilot of Black Mirror. Yeah, he does a, a fantastic job in this in in Our Flag Means Death. He plays the the twins, obviously, but he does he does a perfect job of kind of balancing serious acting while portraying the comedy and the hilarity of his his characters. And the role that Nigel plays, he's the final nail in the coffin for Steed. It pushes him over the edge. He's being bullied once again, like decades later, by the same guy. And Steed finally just stands up for himself and pays the price. Yeah, I think a lot of it is alluding to the fact that, you know, Steed can run as far away as he possibly can from his past and his problems, but they will catch up with him in one way or another. And we see that with the introduction of Nigel. Yeah, and that's a huge theme in the show. Like, yeah, the Steed's past catching up with him. The whole catalyst that brings the story forward for the next couple of episodes is how Steed unintentionally, in wanting to stun Nigel, accidentally kills him. Yeah, that's definitely the inciting incident. It brings out Steed's insecurities, like the his, his fear of violence, but his desperate need to impress his crew and to yeah. kind of find his footing as a pirate captain. He now has to grapple with... with Another inadequacy, right? He wanted to stun someone and he ended up being a murderer. Everything he does is just inadequate. Yeah, and I think he's kind of like realizing like, maybe I'm not cut out to be a pirate captain. Like, I can't kill without feeling, you know, guilty. And that spills into episode two. And now, some fun facts. In terms of historical accuracy, what I find really funny about the show is that David Jenkins found out about the gentleman pirate Steed Bonnet through his wife and he looked up the Wikipedia page, read about his adventures and kind of saw that his life was like a perfect three-act structured life in terms of drama and what happens and how it ends. He mentions that in a few interviews and how that's pretty much all the research that he did on Steed Bonnet. I mean, the Steed Bonnet that we're watching is definitely fictional, but he does pull from the actual Steed Bonnet to set the foundations of this character. So he has a midlife crisis, he leaves his family in the middle of the night, he buys a ship, he doesn't steal a ship, and he hires a crew and pays them weekly. I mean, it's pretty crazy that all of that happened in real life because it's such a great setup for a comedy show. I mean, this is like gold standard writing, even though it happened in real life. Let's talk a little bit about the cast that they have, because this is a huge cast from around the world. Reese's specialty is management. There are like interviews with him and Taika for um, Our Flag Means Death and, and David, where they talk about how Taika is always casting Reese in management roles, like in, um, in the What We Do in the Shadows movie. He was like the manager of the werewolves in Flight of the Concords. He's the, he's the manager as well. And he just... He has that background because he was in the army. Like he knows how to manage a group of people, a group of men. Reese also mentions that he he knows how to manage like idiots. Which is essentially the crew. Yeah, exactly. This is his first kind of big main character role. Obviously, he's from New Zealand. A lot of people I saw online actually thought that he's British. But I mean, his, his New Zealand accent is pretty damn strong. And I just love that everybody can keep their accents. Other than David Jenkins, who actually plays the third British officer who isn't Nigel Badminton. The one who's sitting in the middle and playing with the knife in the 
tea party scene. Yeah, he's the creator of the show and he has to put on a British accent. He's he's American. It's a funny amalgamation of people. We have Ewan Bremner who plays Buttons. He's from Train Spotting, this like extremely famous movie. Joel Fry, who plays Frenchie, and Christian Nairn, who plays Wee John. They're both from Game of Thrones. Nathan Fode, who plays Lucius, he has a new show out now called New York, New York. Vico Ortiz, who plays Jim. They were in The Sex Lives of College Girls. Matthew Mayer, who plays Black Pete. Um, he was from GTA 5. He plays Wade in GTA 5, which was hilarious. Nat Faxon, who plays the Swede. He's an Oscar-winning writer for The Descendants. And we have Samba Shoot, who plays Roach. He actually cooks a lot in real life and provided a lot of snacks for the crew, which is cute. And yeah, last but not least, we have Theo Darby, Reese Darby's son, who plays Young Steed. And apparently the stunt double couldn't make it that day, so poor Theo had to do all his own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> he had to be like running into a tree yeah running in a tree rocks yeah exactly him. poor guy Reese talks about that in his Seth Meyer interview it's such like a huge ensemble cast right and I mean the thing with like ensemble cast is like sometimes you know characters don't really get developed enough or they're like sidelined but I think even from the first episode you really get to know a little bit about each character and you're really invested in why they're here what they're gonna do next and how they kind of fit in with Steed's narrative yeah I was speaking to a friend of mine earlier and they're talking about how interesting and different this series is because uh, usually for American comedies they have huge stars who come in like just for funsies just a cameo they, they kind of just use the cameos or the, the huge stars to bring in the viewership but that's definitely not the case with this show First of all, Our Flag Means Death, like, there's very, very little marketing yeah, for the I, show. I don't even think, like, their Twitter and Instagram, like, came yeah, live, like, exactly. until after the show They ended. didn't even have Twitter and Instagram, yeah. no social media until after the yeah. finale. And a lot of it was word of mouth. And now it's, like, for the third, fourth week in a row, it's, like, the most popular TV show yeah, it really became like such a cultural icon like super quickly. Yeah, and it's like it's beating out Moon Knight. It was beating out Boba Fett. Like every, it's it's insane and it's like word of mouth. Yeah, I mean, I think it just really shows like how strong the fan base is and, and how excited they are at something so fresh and, and different from all the existing TV content that's already out there. Yeah, and everybody's like foaming at the mouth because of how it ended. Like yeah. everybody, we, the, HBO hasn't even announced season two yet, which is, I mean, which is understandable. This is considered like indie TV. Yeah, in every way, it's like, quite a risky endeavor if you think about it like you're putting you're putting talents that you know people might not necessarily have heard of and you're giving them like you know leading man roles and and you're even incorporating a narrative that's so out of the ordinary and somehow it just works like not only because it's a comedy but because the cast chemistry they just work so well with each other they bounce off each other so well and and yeah and the casting speaks for itself i mean every yeah. every single person is casted absolutely perfectly for each and every role definitely cannot imagine Steed played by anyone other than Reese Darby. He is just incredible. He's my favorite character. I mean, him and him and Taika, but like he I absolutely is... cannot choose. <laughs> yeah. In the press nowadays and in media, everybody's talking about Taika and they give him a lot of credit for running the show, but I mean the credit obviously has to go to the writers and to the creator David Jenkins. Taika is a executive producer and he directed the pilot. But according to an interview with David Jenkins, he mentioned that him and Taika share a manager. And when he sent the script over to Taika or the story over to Taika, they didn't really make many changes after that. So you know that the foundation is super strong. You know that the writers did a fantastic job. I mean, in the writer's room, I think there were like 
three or four non-binary people and there are multiple POCs and people of varying ages as well. They're really just emphasizing the importance of having inclusivity in the writer's room because David Jenkins is a is a white man and is a white straight man and he acknowledges that fact that his perspective is going to be very different. His environment and his experiences are going to be very different but he wants to be able to and he has succeeded I would say. Him and the writers have succeeded in showing so much representation and make that that's that's a huge part of the fan base. Like people who have been ignored for a lot of their lives um, through media or just in general, they they feel like they they're finally being seen. Yeah, exactly. They have a home. I think you brought up quite a quite a good point that it was you know directed by Taika and how of course we know later he comes in as Blackbeard, but for the first couple of episodes we don't really see him and and we can really focus on Steed to see how Steed's life really is without. Blackbeard's influence and I mean that's about the perspectives as well like the first act the perspectives are all about how the crew sees Steed how Steed sees himself how he's kind of like a bumbling idiot and we're like oh this this Joker can't be a freaking pirate captain but then like everything changes once we see him through the eyes of Blackbeard through Edward I think I was like quite curious as well about like why the crew was there. I mean, yeah, the allure of a living wage while being a pirate is it's hard to pass up. But for, for people like like Oluwande and Jim, you know, they had no choice but to be a part of his crew because they were running away. In a way, all of them were running away, I would say. Yeah, because they don't naturally fit in with the pirate's life. But in, in such a safe and, and encouraging environment led by Steed here, I think they can explore what it means to be a pirate, but maybe not in a traditional sense, which is where a lot of the comedy is derived from. I think one of the reasons why I, I really enjoyed the tea time scene was how they used comedy to bring out like heavy themes like racism, and they acknowledged the existence of racism at that time. But like they immediately like silence it and they immediately shut it down with Jim throwing the knife at the colonizer's hand. You can also see Steed dealing with the bully with, with Nigel. And you can see how his crew reacts to that. And after that, basically all the colonizers get what they deserve. Yeah, exactly. And like so quickly. And there's a very cathartic release when the crew goes crazy and starts attacking the colonizers. It's a pretty insane ending for a pilot. It kind of ends on such a comforting note where we see Captain Steed just being so proud of all his crew members and Hanging showing up all, all the their flags. flags. Just really being a, a loving and caring father. And and in that respect, I think all of them have kind of just there's like... A huge, there's a huge arc. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can see Oluwande supporting, be, being supportive of Steed and kind of being self-aware of how they themselves, the crew themselves, are not the best pirates. Yeah. And not the best crew. And Lucius is like, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. He's like, you know, they're, they're being supportive. At the end of the day, they're enjoying the bedtime story. Yeah, in a way, they've all like submitted to Steed's captainhood and, and they're just ready to see what like, you know, the future holds. And his eccentricities. Yeah, and his eccentricities. And we end on High on a Rocky Ledge by Moondog, which is such a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Uh, we'll talk about that in a later episode when we discuss the soundtrack. So the end of every episode in this series, we'll be doing a segment where we bring up our favourite quotes from each episode. For me, I think it has to be the part where they spy Steed 
and one of the British naval officers goes, One appears to be a heavy set woman in a silk dressing gown. One appears to be a heavy set woman in a silk dressing gown. And don't forget the ah <laughs> after that incredible delivery. Mine would be when Steed boards the fishing boat and he says very politely, My name's Steed and I'll be your robber here today. My name's Steed, I'll be your robber here today. I think this is as good as a place to wrap it up for our very first episode. I mean, I don't think we wanted to go too deep into a- analysis in, in this um, yeah, not episode just yet. recap. Yeah, we'll definitely be diving deeper into, you know, more analysis in, in the future episodes. And I think we've also got a couple of like fun episodes that we have planned. So stay tuned for that and we hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.